You're listening to Once, episode 157, A Tale of Two Sisters. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. It is great to have the team together, and we'll be hearing from Hunter and Jacqueline later as they share some spoilers with us. But welcome back, Aaron. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. So we've watched this episode again and again, maybe a few times or so. And we're ready to to discuss this. And we might be experimenting with changing the way that we discuss episodes. Oh, I thought you were going to say the weather. The <laughs> no, the weather's <laughs> snow. It's just going to be snow. Okay. White snow, snow white, frozen. It's all cold stuff. <laughs> I don't like winter, but that's that's my own personal thing. How can you not like winter? Winter's a good time to stay in and cuddle. Cold and dangerous. Yeah, but put me like, outside and I'll be a... Happy Happy snowman! (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know what? We know you. Yes, you right there. You did it too, just at the same time as we did. So don't judge us. (laughs) Well, except you there who has not seen Frozen yet. Yeah, if you haven't seen Frozen, go to oncepodcast.com slash Frozen and purchase it. But let's talk about this episode of Once Upon a Time. After fair warning... This a lot of what happened in this episode takes place after the movie. So yeah, we're Spoiler gonna alert. we're gonna spoil the movie. Sorry, can't it would be silly to try not to. Yeah. This is more of it. So it starts out as it seems the season premieres do, where you don't really know what's going on when you first see it. You don't really know who you're looking at. It starts out that way. But not for the reasons you might think. Mainly because I thought it was Anna. I was like I did too. Why is she on the boat? The first time I started watching the screener episode that we had a few days before it aired on TV, and I decided, no, I want to wait to watch it with everyone else. And I I saw that, and I kept thinking days after that, I was thinking, what is Anna doing on a ship that's going down? (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) See, I feel like I knew exactly what was happening. That didn't look like Kristoff. And when did Kristoff get promoted and decorated so much? They're saying that they want to make sure that Anna and Elsa know the truth. What mm-hmm. truth do you think that is? The truth they found out. Yes, that well, Elsa is actually a snowflake come to life and she will melt in time if she loves too much. Do you think this is before <laughs> or after they've been to the Enchanted Forest? After. I think it's after. It has to be after, because otherwise they wouldn't know. And she said we might not make it home. But this might. Okay. Yeah, because... And I'm sure it will later. In the movie Frozen, you don't really know at all which direction they're going. You just see the ship go down. Right. We hear nothing even well, said. Kind of irrelevant in the movie. Right. Well, it, even... not that it happened, but where, which direction they were going. Just that they didn't come home. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it makes more sense this way. Whom do you think they might have been visiting? Pretty much. <laughs> or what if it's Yensid, oh, the please. wizard, not oh. Merlin. Sorry, by the way, yes, I heard you loud and clear. <laughs> so many people tweeted that 
I, I stopped counting after about 25 people tweeted and emailed and said, <laughs> no, Daniel, it's Yensid, not Merlin. The hat that we see Rumpelstiltskin have later belongs to Yensid, which is Disney spelled backwards. But um, <laughs> that's from Fantasia, by the way, and the Sorcerer's Apprentice little clip there with Mickey Mouse battling the buckets and the brooms and stuff. Anyway. Uh, but see, I would have thought Merlin was in Fantasia. I don't really know Fantasia. I don't know a lot about Merlin. Well, and my problem there was... It didn't even look like a hat to me. So, you know, people were saying stuff in the chat room and I was like... Okay, cool. Um, no spoilers, and let's go on, because we don't really know what it is or whose it is. <laughs> well, and we've seen a hat kind of like that before, kind of like Yensid's before. But whenever I think of that thing from Fantasia and everything that happened with Mickey Mouse and Sorcerer's Apprentice and all of that, I always think Merlin. That's why when we were talking about it, I said, yeah. that's Merlin's hat. No, I'm completely wrong. It's Yensid's But you hat. were still thinking of Fantasia. I was, but I got the name wrong. Yeah, and I know less. It looked like a hat now. This email came in from Giovanni. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Talking about the hat that belongs to Yensid. Yes, not Merlin. This, again, points out the correction. But in here, it suggests uh, from Giovanni said that We are all assuming that Anna will encounter the original Snow Queen, and we are all theorizing that her parents' journey was leading them to Rumpel. But could it be that Arendelle's king and queen were actually looking for Merlin? I mean, Yensid? (laughs) I'm thinking so, because the hat shows up later, and it's a hint that this is a character we're going to see. So who else would they be going to meet? Yeah, probably Rumpel. But think about it. Why would Rumpel be the one to imprison Elsa if there was some kind of truth that Anna and Elsa needed to know that probably wasn't, oh, you're, you're a vicious monster because of this magical power? And Rumpel was the one that imprisoned Elsa because Rumpel thought, this is magic I can't control. So I oh. think they were going to see someone other than Rumpelstiltskin. Sure, I'll buy that. I don't... I don't think we have enough information to really say who yet. Right. Yeah. My main thing was just that if they had run into Rumpel, that could have been how he found out about Elsa in the first place. And he could have just fed them some line as he does that they think is like some big truth while he, in the meantime, was setting out to, you know, exploit her power, which is also as he does. So that's the only kind of connection I made between the two of them is that Rumpel has her now. We know he lives in Enchanted Forest. That's where they were going. So that's the only connection I was making. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable thing. I, I, we're going on so little information now, especially since we're staying yeah. spoiler-free. <laughs> Gareth said, The truth that will, quote, save Anna and Elsa. It appears that Anna and Elsa's parents found something during their trip to the Enchanted Forest. And he agrees that the shipwreck happened on the way back. Perhaps the storm was even magical, an attempt to prevent them from getting home with the truth. It sounded like the truth that would save Anna and Elsa is information, presumably something they learned in the Enchanted Forest. I think ultimately we will learn this information. Either whatever was saved from the wreck will be found, or Anna or Elsa will find it either in the Enchanted Forest of the past or Storybrook present. My guesses about what the information is would be... Something about the origins of Elsa's power. Perhaps she was cursed and not born with it after all. Perhaps how to control or remove the power. 
the reason she has the power, perhaps a curse, but perhaps for reasons of good, or perhaps the information will talk about the link between Elsa and others who have similar magic. The controlling or eliminating the power option fits best with a literal sense of, quote, save, unquote, them, but perhaps understanding the power could emotionally save them. Given that Elsa ends up in Rumpel's vault, perhaps Rumpel was the person they got the information from. Great thoughts, Gareth. I hadn't considered that maybe the storm was caused to try to stop them. Hmm. No, neither had I. That's a good theory. It's another one of those things that when you see the movie Frozen, you just think, ah, a storm. They died in a storm. Okay. How sad. By the way, if you want your mind to be blown, hmm. uh, for one thing, there's this thing called the Pixar theory, but that's not what I'm referring to. There's oh, a theory out there that the ship that goes out to sea and sinks is related to a ship that sinks in The Little Mermaid and that Elsa's mother and father made it off that shipwreck ended up on an island, gave birth to a son, were killed by gorillas, and that son (laughs) grew up to be Tarzan. Yes, there's actually a theory out there. And what's amazing about it is how believable it is when you see the photos of these parents, Elsa's parents, and how similar they are to the different characters in these different movies. Crazy thing, totally off topic. It could almost be like the same animation studio was responsible for all of the characters. Yeah. And if you watch Tarzan, you will no longer believe that theory, but it was a really good theory with the pictures (laughs) until you talk to somebody or have watched Tarzan recently. Or if you were raised by apes, you'll know. Wait. Mm. Just because Tarzan was already born when the ship went down. That's the only problem with that theory. Yeah. In that movie. Here's a message from Sarah saying, Anna and Elsa's mother had a sister who had powers just like Elsa, and she became the original Snow Queen and was banished to the Enchanted Forest. And they were going to find her to see if she could help Elsa learn to control her powers. Maybe? Interesting theory, Sarah. Mm. We've seen before that everyone in Once Upon a Time is connected. So I really mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if Anna and Elsa's parents are connected with other people and with other characters that are part of the storyline. And if we dig into the original Snow Queen story and any of that kind of stuff. And another message here from Karen said, Elsa and Anna's parents were headed to the Enchanted Forest and they sent a message to tell them the, quote, truth, unquote. Why does Elsa have the frozen curse and not anyone else? Are they going to the Enchanted Forest to find her birth parents? You know how this show is with siblings and genealogy. I'm not sure who her parents are, but my guess is that they are headed to the Enchanted Forest to find Elsa's real birth parents to help her deal with her frozen curse. Well, I kind of hope that's not true. I don't want them to mess with the story that much. (laughs) it's too soon elsa we have news for you you're adopted (laughs) yeah that that's happened before that's not gonna make her freeze the world (laughs) i did notice that throughout this episode what's been cool and we've seen this before in other episodes of once upon a time but they're using the same style of writing we see it like when uh several years later when elsa and anna are in 
at the gravestones. It's the same writing on the gravestones. It's the same kind of writing in the book. We saw that same kind of writing in Frozen, and we've also seen it in so uh, Rumpelstiltskin's book. The characters and language, not right. The the actual letters. <laughs> the it's kind of like a elvish sort of mm-hmm. thing. Well, they can read it, so that's fine. <laughs> but it means we don't get to translate it. So this is five years after her parents' death, and one day before Anna is going to get married. She's not actually going to get married in one day, I guess, <laughs> since she left. But I liked that they did that, just because to me that gives us a clear timeline, assuming they're going with what happened in Frozen, that this would be two years after the events of Frozen, because Frozen was three years after, like the main part of Frozen, I believe mm. it was three years later, right? Mm. It was three years after the parents died. Right. So I guess Anna did learn that you can't marry a man you just met that day <laughs> and waited a while to court Sven and Ursus Kristoff. <laughs> no, Sven is just invited. He's not the groom. <laughs> but he's the weird looking reindeer. <laughs> Reindeers are better than people. <laughs> Oh my goodness. But moving on, what we also get to see is some really neat stuff. Some of the great relationship between Elsa and Anna with the stuff like the wedding dress. And by the way, the wedding dress that we see is not the same dress as what Elsa sees in Storybrooke. They are different dresses. It would be cool if they used the same dress, but maybe that would be too strange. Uh, yeah. I thought, and we mentioned this in our initial reactions, that the casting was pretty good with this. And I felt like as we were watching this, that Anna really seemed like Anna. There were a couple spots where maybe the acting wasn't quite as smooth, but well, I she thought... She seems like cartoon Anna a little bit. Yeah. But I think the personalities match pretty well. Yeah. What do you guys think? That's what I thought. I wasn't too crazy about her trying to be as like, I don't know if cutesy is the right word, but you know how Anna's kind of... I don't know. I feel like it's a very over the top. But when she's going up the stairs, when (laughs) she's walking up the stairs to uh, to see what the gift is that Elsa has for her, she's being like her lines are a lot like Anna would say in the movie. But her delivery is just in that specific scene really off for me. And I just I really, really liked Kristen Bell as Anna. I liked her voice and everything. So I'm okay with them not casting her because that's what the whole point of this show is. It's a separate thing. But then to try and make her so exactly the same was a little bit, didn't so much work for me in that specific scene. That was the only scene that I didn't like. I know Jacqueline also had some uh, negative feelings toward it, thinking that Anna seems just a little bit too ditzy. Well, they're trying harder to capture actual personalities from an animated movie than they've ever tried i mean can you imagine if snow white matched personalities with the snow white of the animated (laughs) film yeah which they did one time and we all laughed (laughs) because it wasn't supposed to make us laugh right i think though that that is not a problem necessarily but one of the issues that they're gonna have to overcome with doing such a recent film the whole point of this show is it's like a reboot of these fairy tales it's a it's um they're rewriting them so that you know like the women aren't these like helpless little girls that are cowering in a corner and they're actually strong but 
Frozen is already like that. Frozen already has strong female characters. Mm -hmm. So it's, they don't have to change them as much to make them acceptable to modern, modern culture, I guess. Exactly. And it could be that they will introduce or they have introduced the characters now and they'll transition into their own interpretation of the characters. I've seen right. other TV shows do that where when it first starts out like a TV show based on the movie, when it first starts out, the characters are very much like the movie characters were. But then if you look over time, you start to see the actual actors personalities mm-hmm. come through and take over and build a new personality for that character. And it's no longer the same as the movie, right. but it transitioned over time. And really, if you think about frozen, it's like Elsa changed a lot, but, Anna really didn't. She learned things, but she didn't change much. So there's a lot of room for character development in the story they're telling now. Um, I really liked how they did this with Frozen. I um, I know we were kind of wondering how they were going to do it and where they were going to start and whether they were going to kind of redo what we already know of in Frozen. So I like where they started. And to me, this actually would be good material for a sequel. Like, wh- like it's totally believable that Anna and Elsa's parents were off on a voyage to figure out what was wrong or what they thought was wrong with their kid. And like, obviously they would want to find out more about Elsa's powers. So I really liked kind of how they did that. I don't, I hope that it doesn't like quash the idea of a frozen sequel. Cause I know that there's been talk about that ever since the movie came out. So yeah. I would be interested to know whether they would, use any of these ideas at all because they are actually pretty pretty valid ideas and like on a so far this is better than the sequels they usually make (laughs) that's true does anybody like any of the aladdin sequels Um, did you see any of them yeah i saw i did (laughs) it's just more opportunity to hear the late robin williams and his multiple personalities (laughs) that's what i thought the sequels were for I did see the Mulan sequel, and I wish that I hadn't. (laughs) Yeah, so, so far, so far, this can be the sequel to Frozen, as far as I'm concerned. But if they do it and animate it with Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel and everybody else, that would be awesome, too. Like, this story, but with them and with music. Yeah. True. If it's a real sequel. Well, they also carried over the rock trolls, and... Which were heavy. Yeah. To carry <laughs> the animation, sure, wasn't as good as the movie, but for a TV show, the more I looked at it, especially in high definition, the more I could respect that they did a pretty good job with the animation of the rock mm-hmm. trolls. Yeah, sure, TV budget, not the best, but still pretty good and really neat to see a rock troll in there. And you know what? Those stones roll and they walk and they talk and they still gathered moss. I only just realized that. <laughs> because they spend so much time sleeping, that's why. Oh, okay. And they made it into Storybrooke, potentially. Oh. They, yeah, I know what right? you're talking about. We kind of the saw a little... Stone troll. It looked an awful lot like him, too. It did. Actually, that's... they were kind of in the so-called attic as well, where there was a face. Yeah, on one of the things on the wall. And the, yeah, the stone troll inside of Storybrooke reminds me of... The, what well, wasn't it? It was an elf. That's what it was. Uh, or a gnome or something oh, like yes. that. Well, that. Yeah, the gnome. That Regina turned into a stone and then was on her front yard. So I wonder if maybe the, <laughs> the rock trolls, or maybe, 
<laughs> we're enemies with Regina in some way. So now are they going to fight over who gets the name Troll? Because we've already seen Trolls in Once Upon a Time, and they're different. Well, Trolls oh, are yeah. still sort of... They're probably like distant cousins. Probably- there's like the Hate Trolls, and they were in the Enchanted Forest, and they're kind of made of stone. And then there's the Love Trolls, and they were in yeah. Arendelle. The Love Expert Trolls. Little guys, big hearts. <laughs> that's what yeah. they are. They're probably different breeds. That's That's fair. And speaking of different breeds, Hans and his 12 angry brothers, that right there sounded like a little nod maybe to the movie 12 Angry Men with, oh, that's, uh, that's a movie. with Henry Fonda. But What are you talking about right now? It's an old black and white movie. Oh, okay. But I also wondered, well, in the movie, when we see Hans being taken away, the French guy uh-huh. says something about, we'll see what his 12 older brothers think of his behavior. <laughs> Which apparently they will approve wholeheartedly according yeah. to Once Upon a Time. Yeah. <laughs> so no real hope for that kingdom. What do you think about Mist Haven? I noticed we spelled it differently in the notes. So I went by the spelling M-I-S-T-H-A-V-E-N. That's the spelling that was in the subtitles for oh, well, the that's show. disappointing. Because I went M Y S T H A V E N because mystic, myst, like, because these are myths and mystics. And it also makes me think of the video game Mist. Maybe some pirates saw the Enchanted Forest and they said, them our woods be mist having woods. And the name just <laughs> sort of stuck. Yes, that's how everything is named it's by pirates. So it's really the Enchanted Forest. Anna's going there. And we'll probably get more of the story in the upcoming episodes. But like how Kristoff knew that, even though they had to go see the trolls to find out about well, she, she told. Uh, or maybe he just knew because as an ice dealer, maybe he's had dealings with the Enchanted mm-hmm. Forest and has sold them ice. Maybe. It's got to come from somewhere. Maybe. So we're probably going to see Anna in the Enchanted Forest, but... Where do you think that might be going, and why isn't she in Storybrooke? At least, not yet. Mm. Well, maybe Belle needs to go on another walk, and she'll find Anna in some house somewhere. I'm thinking that there might be some twist here, because we're missing Anna, we're missing uh, Sven, we're missing Kristoff. So the three of these guys... Well, two people and one animal (laughs) will probably show up somewhere and that they're not in Storybrooke yet. I'm or I'm thinking they're not in Storybrooke yet. They might even be in a completely different world altogether. We know that because of the new curse, travel between the worlds is possible again. So maybe Hmm. there might be a way for Elsa to go back to her sister and brother-in-law or for them to come to Storybrooke. You've asked more questions than I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was just going to say, and you said it, that we have to remember this is not the original curse. So even if they were in Storybrooke, that doesn't mean they are again. And that could be a whole other episode. Since they've never clearly established the nature of this curse. Well, that that totally settles it. We have one answer and more questions. That's a start. Exactly. I think they put that in there just as an answer for all the people who say they never answer anything. And as a sound clip for us, that's going to stay on the board. Speaking of 
been a start. I want to thank some people who have helped us with the podcast by your kind donations, making this podcast possible, making the server possible, the media hosting, the the chat room, the, all of these expenses that we have in running the podcast. So big thanks to Lisa Slack, Steve Johnson, David Newland, Kelsey Hunt, Laura Silva, Lori Hancock, Tappenberg, DJ Firewolf, Marianne Lavati, and all of our backers on Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. We could not do the podcast without you. It would be way too expensive for us to do. So we're grateful for every piece of support you can give. If you would like to donate, there are three different options for how you can donate to one's podcast, either a one-time donation or an automatic monthly donation, or you can donate per episode and inspire us to release more episodes more often. <laughs> you can check out all three of these options over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Let's move on then to the present in Storybrooke. I like how it just picks up so much right from where we left off in season three that it is just the continuation of one scene to another. And that's the way we've seen it with the past season crossings too. Like when we went from season one to season two, mm-hmm. Rumpelstiltskin brought magic and we saw him at the well with Belle. One at the well with many Belle. betrayals of Belle. And then in season <laughs> two, it picks up among the different scenes that it picked up on. One of them was that scene immediately where He's still at the well with Belle, now with differently colored hair. But uh, one of the other things we saw was the purple smoke came, enveloped everyone. And then in season two, it dissipates and everyone's there. So seamless transition from one season to the other. Season two to three was when we saw the Neverland Six going on Hook's ship, the Jolly Roger, through the portal. And then season three picks up with the portal and the ship coming out. The other side. Or I'm sorry. Yeah. Season three picks up Mm -hmm, that way. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then season three ends with Elsa walking out of the barn and (laughs) Emma and and Regina. not raised. (laughs) Emma and Regina and Marianne (laughs) and all of that in the diner. And where does it pick up? Right where it left off. Continuation of those scenes. With only with, in Elsa's case, a much less violent sachet. Thankfully. (laughs) (laughs) So... Right when we pick this up outside of the diner, I can really hurt for Regina and all the struggle that she's going through. Here she's become the hero again and people are respecting her again. And now she's a villain, definitely to one person, but now she's feeling like a villain as well as she's being confronted with, wow, this is a woman that you imprisoned, you were going to kill. But... I was just happy that they said all the things that they needed to say. It was actually, hey, I didn't know. And here's specifically what I didn't know. And here's specifically what I didn't mean to do. And they they didn't just have some weird half conversation with misunderstandings. And that was good. That was, that was healthy for me. It was. Their communication skills are definitely improving, Emma <laughs> and Regina. It probably comes with sharing a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'm Uh, really tired of two things, and they're so opposite. I'm tired of Regina constantly needing to defend herself when she's just kind of, you know, like, saved the world. And then at the same time, I'm sick of her wavering in being good. So, I don't know. Like, one kind of casts out the other, but 
she should not have to defend herself, at least to those, you know, like that group of people like to Marion, that's new, but she shouldn't have to keep reminding them. I'm good now. I, I do good because she has not yet done anything to change that for them. Right. I mean, no one's been incinerated yet. Right. Because we know her like inner thoughts, but <laughs> because that's what the show shows us. But they don't know that. But at the same time, I'm kind of sick of like not knowing. Is she a villain or is she a hero? Like they have played this out for three seasons. Can she just be a hero now? Well, and what's crazy is that they spend a lot of time saying, ah, it's all, it's not just black and white. It's such a gray area and it's no one's really all that, you know, just good or bad. And all that stuff was very sort of well presented on, say, Lost, for example. But here they're saying one thing, they're saying it's gray, but then they use the most black, they use absurdly fairy tale black and white terms. I mean, Henry's going, do you think she'll become evil again? Really? Is it a switch that she flips? For her, they seem to think that it is, and they seem to act like it is. But she kind of acts like it is, too. Right. I just think it's funny that they're trying to say that it's gray, but they're also saying it's black and white and using very definite terms. I am a hero. I am a villain. I am evil. I am good. But, oh, oh, no, no one's just good or evil. There's a little bit of both. But no, black and white. It's weird. So she's a little bit of a (laughs) fixer-upper. She's got a few flaws. I loved her hand twitch when when Marion called her a monster and she pulls out the hand and she's like, nah, nah, I probably shouldn't. Not a good moment for a fireball. I probably shouldn't burn her in front of all of those who I might love. But yeah, yeah. Not in front of Robin Hood. Right. <laughs> now, where were we? <laughs> I feel like Marion, I understand that Marion is new and confused and was just about to be killed by the evil queen like moments ago because she doesn't get that this time has passed. But I think that once Snow White was Regina, are you okay there? Like, I am concerned for the woman who Marion almost died to protect me from, (laughs) right? Marion was going to die because she wouldn't tell Regina where Snow White was. And now Snow White is saying, are you okay? To Regina, I think that (laughs) Marion should clue in that maybe there's some stuff she doesn't know and that everything is not so black and white. Right. She's sort of like, there must be something wrong with everyone. Well, she did Which say. Which could happen, Why are you fair. guys talking to her? They were cursed. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> I noticed, and uh, also Jacqueline had made a note of this point too, that when Leroy and Sleepy... <laughs> what a designated driver but when they were driving their radio went out was that because of elsa can she somehow influence radio technology i feel like that wouldn't be the most surprising thing she creates ice and snow and monsters but yeah Yeah, yeah. your radios go out like in the rain and stuff sometimes in your car don't they yeah i think it was just the power emanating from her magical power this is why they won't be able to have nice things for a while speaking of nice things it was really nice to see the speech that rumple gave at neil's grave and it, at the same time and you start laughing about they, the well grave. they <laughs> sneak in i'm not sure if this was intentional but in the two most serious conversations in this episode that's mm-hmm. mr gold at neil's grave and 
Robin and Regina when they're sitting on the couch. Those are the two most serious conversations in this. And those are the two that I think have the almost most blatant quotes from Frozen. Because Mr. Gold almost says, for the first time in forever. He says something very close to that. He said, for the first time ever. Yeah. And then uh, Robin and Regina later, (laughs) uh, Robin says something that's very close to the past is in the past. Well, yes, that I agree. He said, I left, he said, I left my past in the past. Yeah. So close and interesting scenes to pick for that because I found myself laughing then during these very serious emotional scenes. But uh, I think this moment with gold at Neil's grave was a little bit of reminding us what happened. Well, and for the new fans via Frozen, he gives a synopsis of his entire story so far. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of years he summed up in that conversation right really to the end what we would have considered the end of his story and by the way welcome to you if you are a new listener to us and uh, this season premiere i saw a stat and i don't have it in front of me so i might be misquoting this but yeah it was uh, aaron do you know the stat of the viewership of this episode i think it was 10.2 million it was the highest that there's been in two years yeah since the season two premiere um, Adam Horowitz tweeted it. I think that we're just talking about this kind of roller coaster with Regina, and it seems like we're getting that also again with Rumpelstiltskin too, because here it sounds like from this speech he's really ready to do things right, but then when they go into that mansion later on and he finds that little case, whatever it is, then he pulls out the dagger again. I know. I'm like, y- you could clue your wife in. No, just brush it off. Oh, interesting choice uh, or interesting taste or whatever. Yeah, it'd be like, hey, so this is this thing, and I think we should use the dagger. But, you know, in his speech at the grave, he's he's saying all the right things, except I only lied to her so that I could avenge blah, 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 blah. He's justifying his wrongdoing. He's mm-hmm. still doing that. He still doesn't get it. When he can just admit he's wrong, we'll see if he's maybe on the right track. Shandlich emailed saying, I simply hated the graveyard scene. Never have I heard such a cold and selfish monologue. I expected this to be a tearjerker. I expected Rumpel to act even an ounce like the Rumpel in every previous season, but he did not. There were no kind words for Balefire, and what a good son he was, or the father to Henry he could have been. Rumpel spoke of what Balefire meant made him feel, what his future plans were for himself, then pretty much said, I'm better now, though. Bye. Gone is the man who would have ended himself at the thought of losing his boy, the boy he destroyed worlds for. Rumpel wasn't a father at his son's grave. He was a writer, tying loose ends. <laughs> He's now suffering from the same disease that once injects into every other character and plot point. Shiny toy syndrome. A sickness <laughs> that makes characters on this show forget that they're supposed to feel in favor of moving the plot. The show had weight, meaning, and symbolism, and season after season was slowly purged of every scrap. Uh, some nice negativity there to balance well, things out. I think it's a little harsh, but I see the point. It. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, he's 
he's kind of way better way fast right and i and and it's sort of like i may not have thought of it but now that you mention it yeah well i called it a recap speech and it was (laughs) but it was also it it really is kind of a in case you're curious about my motivations for my character now here's what they are it's an exposition of motivation rather than sort of a revelation (laughs) through developments in the plot Mm-hmm. And and that's partially because of the fact that so many things, so many loose ends were resolved at the end of last season. There was almost, in my mind, I may have mentioned it in the podcast before, there was almost nothing of the original story left to do. Right. Because you could have left it there, and everyone, it looked like everyone had someone. If you took Marion out of the picture, it really would have been a happy ending for everyone. If Emma would have just left well enough alone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just in response to that feedback and that, I guess, mentality, I would like to pull a line that Hook said later in, which is, there's always a crisis. Perhaps you need to consider <laughs> living your life through them. Otherwise, you're not going to have a life to live. And I get that, you know, his son died and that's terrible and he should be grieving. But it's a TV show and you can't grieve for as long as grief actually happens in reality. Right. And he Maybe. said some very endearing things and he was to me explaining first i'm i was clarified like i had stuff clarified in that speech like that that he only was using the dagger to avenge bay's death and that now he's going to give the real one back to bell like that wasn't in the cards last season we didn't know that yeah. i don't think, I think right <laughs> i think i would be okay if they you know, we just talked about how they do the seamless transition between seasons. Maybe don't. You know, come back six months later and and give us some clues as to how they've been living. Maybe they've had time to breathe, time to live, time to grieve, time to actually develop in the ways that the characters are developing. But then it doesn't feel so rapid because you know this time has passed. And it would make Henry make a lot more sense, too, because they've already gotten behind. He's still growing and they still, for all the catching up they did, they've still gotten behind. <laughs> He still is saying lines that sound too young for him. Sometimes I find it confusing when shows do that. Like, I think that takes a special talent to do, to to come back later and to recap everything that's sure. happened. I mean, yeah, it has to be done right. Yeah. Another show that I watched did that. And I spent an hour last Thursday being really confused about <laughs> what was happening and oh, wondering I if I had missed. I was like, was this a double hour? And I missed the first hour. Like, I was really <laughs> confused. Yeah, so, you don't really want to do that. Well, then we go from one emotional scene there to another emotional scene, and one I can respect a lot more, and that is uh, Robin and Regina sitting on a couch. But and... they were. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, look at the reality. L K I N G. Yeah. <laughs> look at the reality of this. I think this is a very real struggle, a struggle that. We probably didn't anticipate early on before knowing that Marion would be pulled over. We had no reason to think that Marion would be pulled over because as far as we knew back then, Marion was dead. So that freed Robin. But I really, really like that they are showing Robin to honor his vow that he made until Mm -hmm. death parts us. Mm -hmm. And... I love that they're doing that. Yes, I hate the pain that that means Regina is going to go through. Ultimately, I think Regina is going to end up with a happy ending somehow. 
And I think that that will be in some beautiful sacrifice that Marion makes. But in the meantime, I like that they're not doing this whole thing like in season one where David was trying to keep his vow to his fake wife, but no one knew it was his fake wife except Regina. And then trying to also pursue this love interest he had with this other girl, which was actually his real wife, but no one knew that except Regina. And mm-hmm. that just, Henry? that made, made things so messy mm-hmm. in season one. I like that they're keeping this clean and keeping it very honorable here in season four. Yeah. At the moment. Yeah, at least so far. <laughs> I need to go back and point out, lest we get lots of mail, <laughs> Joel in the chat room is pointing out they actually did already do a year-long time jump in the middle of season three. Right. In the middle of seasons, <laughs> they've done time jumps. Oh, sure. Yeah. The traumatic things from which they needed to recover came after that. Yeah. Season one. <laughs> season one. Six weeks between Graham's death and the next episode. I oh, forgot about that. Season two. Well, there you go. So, yeah, they, they thought it was a good idea back then. <laughs> season two, a few weeks that uh, Cora had been in Storybrooke with Hook, just in hiding. Season three, a year from uh, the whole Neverland incident mm-hmm. to you know everything with Zelina. And uh, maybe they'll do that again with season four. Because Regina's heart is understandably broken wherever it is just kidding <laughs> or is it maybe frozen oh gosh well this message came in from jessica <laughs> saying i thought you brought up a great theory about the frozen heart being used since this show revolves around quote true love unquote in different forms as well as physical hearts along those lines i was thinking that maybe they will make that come into play between regina marion and robin somehow This may be way out there, but it could be the course correction you all mentioned about how if something was changed in the past, then it would correct itself. And since Marion was supposed to die, then maybe she gets a frozen heart, but actually dies in the process of trying to thaw it, like by giving her life for someone, but not in time to save herself. Or it could not involve Marion or Robin at all, but I think Regina would somehow be involved if it does come into play. Maybe Emma's heart is frozen and she does something to save Regina, Hook, or really anyone. I say Regina because she is now so focused on trying to make things right, and I honestly think they both respect each other enough to care about what happens to each other, despite their differences. I don't know if that would count as true love, but it could since it would be selfless. Emma has saved Regina before and put herself in danger to do it, like when trying to save her from the wraith. And that was before they really respected each other. So it wouldn't be that much of a stretch. Great feedback, Jessica. But Regina's not thinking that way. So she goes to get Sydney, which was really cool to see him. <laughs> I, I had heard a spoiler that he would make an appearance, but I didn't realize it would be in this episode. I try not to pay attention to the actual cast listing in the, during the opening credits because I don't want to know who's going to be in this episode. But some really cool little Easter eggs here when Regina went to get Sydney from that uh, little cell. It's the mental care pharmacology department. <laughs> and it, the door sign or the sign next to the door says that it's room 108. Of course it is. Hmm. But it's even cooler than that. 
our follower on Twitter, Martha, caught this fine little detail, and I rewatched it, yeah. and I realized, yes, that's totally correct. The number that Regina entered on the keypad, 815. Both of these numbers being very significant to Lost. 108, I love that. big significant number to Lost. 815 is a sequence of the 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42 thing, and it's also the flight number of Oceanic Flight 815 that crashed and uh, landed on that island. So neat little references there. Cool. Good job, Martha, for catching that. <laughs> I wonder at Sydney's expression, because it looks like, very similar to kind of what he said later, it looks like he's on the verge of tears because he feels like he's being loved again after all these years of what he felt like abandonment. Now he feels like, you actually do love me still? I can still serve you, my queen. Well, he's useful again, so she doesn't have to do to him what she does <laughs> to things that are no longer useful. Yeah. I like how they set this whole, the whole Sydney Glass thing up. I unfortunately had actually heard that, the spoiler as well, so I knew that he was coming back. I didn't know it was this soon, so it was a surprise. But um, I like that they used the broken mirror, just jumping back a scene, because that's also related to Snow Queen, um, the original fairy tale that Frozen is based on because there was yeah. the broken mirror. So we summarized that fairy tale in our last podcast, which was the one where we reviewed Frozen. But there was a mirror that sh I think it was like it showed all the evil in the world and a kid, it broke and fell into the world and it like infected everybody. I could be butchering that, but that's what I remember. That, that's of it. basically it. Yeah. They took the mirror all the way up to heaven and that's when it shattered and fell down kind of like pieces of snow and people inhaled it. Yeah, and then they got like infected with its evil power, right? Right, and started seeing everything in the world around them as dark, evil, and ugly and disgusting. It was great that they, so the mirror broke, which is kind of like Regina's broken heart, but then it's like the broken mirror and Snow Queen, but then it's the mirror, which is Sydney. So they like tied that all up with a nice yeah. little bow. I, I enjoyed that. That I don't think that idea came from a pizza boy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe the pizza boy came up with the idea of this house that just appeared in Storybrooke that no one <laughs> has claimed. And maybe pizza boy suggested that, Bill, how about you just borrow that house? <laughs> right. No one's claimed it. It just it just looks sort of lived in. And it has a lot of things that are pretty clearly from this world. But it, it probably came over in the last curse. Probably. Or just now, because time is catching up with what they changed in the past. Or because it has something to do with some magician who has things that are apparently hats. And not little boxes that look like they open in a really cool way, leaving people like me really frustrated when they just sort of morph into something else instead of opening intricately. <laughs> it looked like it was going to do cool things, and it just kind of, I don't know. Did you guys magicked. feel like gold knew... Of the house, like, or knew something about it before they even went in? No. Yeah, no. when he went in it, I think he might have suspected, maybe. But certainly when he saw that container, whatever we're going to call it, I've watched that scene over and over and over, trying to figure out what are those expressions on his face. It's such a neutral expression that he has when he opens it and when he sees it. It doesn't quite look like fear. It doesn't look like happiness. It doesn't look like concern. Well, if anything, it looks a little concerned, but not like 
a fearful concern. Okay, it's Yun Sid. That's what we know from just looking at the hat, comparing it to uh, Fantasia and stuff. And also, by the way, that whole thing about the glowing inside the hat, and it looks like two yellow eyes. What? It, a screenshot will be in the show notes for this Oh my gosh, episode. I apparently need to just spend an hour looking at this stupid <laughs> thing. It didn't look like a hat. I definitely didn't see eyes. Finally, I was like, yeah, that definitely looks like a hat with like a galaxy inside instead of a person's head. But it, I saw yeah. no eyes. Waldo's in it too, just in case you want to <laughs> Okay, know. cool. But- see, I knew it looked like a hat, but I was like, there was no witch's hat in Frozen. <laughs> what well i thought it was related to frozen (laughs) the top of the box was blue and it had these yellow stars on it yen sid's hat is traditionally blue and has stars and a moon on it then when this hat materializes outside of this thing it has like a holographic galaxy inside but it has this purplish looking thing that looks like it has two yellow dots kind of like two yellow eyes I now i'm that, just going to disagree that's significant though <laughs> and it makes perfect sense because when you okay, watch okay great is regina telling us this is that why it makes perfect sense <laughs> go to the show notes oncepodcast.com/157 and look at the screenshots because i have screenshots of this hat and screenshots from the Disney Fantasia movie in this whole sequence, the Sorcerer's Apprentice scene that has Yen Sid in it. And when we first see Yen Sid working his magic, wearing this hat, he's doing this thing where the smoke is coming up out of this cauldron and the smoke turns into this bright pink and purple mist with two yellow eyes. Then he transforms it into a butterfly And then it just kind of poofs away and then that makes him tired and he goes and takes a nap, which is very odd because apparently Yen Sid gets tired when he does magic because there's a video game also called Epic Mickey that the opening (laughs) scene is where Mickey crosses over into this world. Mickey sees Yen Sid there. Yen Sid is doing this thing that looks kind of like he's creating Disneyland. And uh, (laughs) after he's happy with his masterpiece of magic... He then gets tired and goes to bed. So Yin said probably gets really sleepy from using magic, but complete side note. So I'm convinced <laughs> it's Yen Sid, not Merlin. Yes, okay, I know. Cool. I was wrong with that. It's Yen Sid. Got it. So what's the relation with Rumpelstiltskin? We just don't know yet. Just don't know. Just don't know. We'll find out. We need more I mean, a sorcerer is not so the market cornered on magic when he's around people like Rumpelstiltskin and Regina and anyone else who can do magic. Yeah. I wonder if it's maybe a friend. Maybe, maybe. Does Rumpelstiltskin have friends? Well, see, that's the thing. We haven't seen him have friends before this. Could he have been the Sorcerer's Apprentice at some point? I wondered. Yeah, but I thought no. I feel like no, but. When we saw the episode. Because it kind of all came in one fell swoop with the dagger. When we saw the episode Desperate Souls and Rumpelstiltskin became the Dark One. He knew how to use the magic immediately. Right. So I don't think he really needed to be an apprentice. The only time he it seemed like he had to learn how to use magic was when he got the future scene ability from the seer. But he's always been after magical items that could increase his power. So maybe for a time he tried to cozy on up to this person and get the hat. Yeah, perhaps. The hat could also be a reminder of where he got or how he was inspired for the dark curse. 
maybe Yen said and Rumpel kind of partnered together a little bit. I think there might be a friendship here. Rumpel's because, face did not say friendship. Well, his face <laughs> hardly said anything. That's, it said things. It said old Rumpel. <laughs> it said it said old Vendetta. It said things. In the chat room, a lot of people are thinking and agreeing that... In his pupils, there were two yellow dots in each one. They were eyes. Yeah, you didn't look at screenshots like I did. (laughs) In the chat room, they're kind of agreeing that there's probably some kind of relationship between Rumpel and Yen Sid. Well, no doubt. (laughs) Is it possible that this hat had been in the vault where Elsa had been and that them screwing up the past somehow released that as well that, that did cross my mind that maybe this house was somehow the translation of his vault hmm. and but in that case i would think he would be looking in every direction and going oh my gosh no that's here oh no that's not good and there'd be more things like elsa spilling out and we've seen a hat kind of similar to this in rumpelstiltskin's great hall or the dining hall in his castle back in enchanted forest of, of all of the things things that were in the background there was a hat that looked kind of like this and people back then were theorizing is that merlin's hat is that yen Sid's hat whose hat is that mostly i think they ran out of reasons to show rumple and bell back in his castle and since that's the most iconic looking location for the beauty and the beast story they needed somewhere better than his pawn shop to be beauty and the beast <laughs> yeah now, speaking of that, I know we jumped forward a bit with the whole thing in the house, but jumping back, the Beauty and the Beast thing was, I think, beautiful. I liked it. It was nice. I'm not sure either of them know how to dance, but I think it was beautiful. Well, that's what makes it beautiful. Not everybody knows how to dance. It's true. Well. <laughs> Belle had to show the Beast how to dance in the Disney movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wonder something. This is a crazy theory. But, so here's this really nice moment that they have, a nice romantic moment. It's uh, their first day after their wedding. They've been married almost a full day. They have their first dance here. Very nice. They're on their honeymoon Once again, and everything. With no witnesses. <laughs> and they have this beautiful scene. The very next scene that they show us, immediately after we see Rumpel and Belle dancing in the library, is a baby. Okay. <laughs> what if Rumpel has a son, another or a child in this season? Rumpel and Belle. Because after all, as Peter Pan observed, she does look fertile. Oh gosh. <laughs> really? But, that would just be weird. What, well, yeah, it might be weird, but what if? Then he can take the baby to the grave and be like, Look, and now I have another child. And like would he name kidding. it Balefire? Like <laughs> Because they thought maybe they should have named him Balefire. I want to see him have a baby girl if he has one. Oh, well, then that would be less fodder for the rabbits out there to be angry about. And he might name her. And then her. what would he name her? Maybe Mila. No! See, that's what I was I was trying to think of what Balefira. her name was, but she was, she was not nice to him. My goodness, this is, this is out there. Well, friend. yeah, I said it's a crazy theory, but it's one that... I'm, I think I might hold on to for a little while okay. that, yeah, sure, we've seen Snow and Charming now. They have a baby. And maybe that's inspirational to Rumple. And he's thinking, oh, my son's gone. I want another chance. I want to have another baby. Mm. 
Don't babies coming into TV shows in the fourth or fifth season usually mean they're trying to save the show by playing the cute card? <laughs> like, I know they had to do it for Snow and Charming. And I know they kind of already had the cute card with Henry, and now he's not so cute anymore because he's a teenager. Well, but I think they're going to rapid age the Charming baby, and then they're going to be like, we missed the childhood again. They didn't have to do it with no. Snow and Charming's baby. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know that um, Jennifer Goodwin... <laughs> got pregnant but they i never talked about this before because it was a spoiler at one of the conventions or something Mm -hmm. but they did say something before long before jennifer announced her pregnancy before she was showing her anything maybe she told kitsis and horowitz hey i'm pregnant can you figure this out into the show but at some point i think it was more than nine months before she gave birth kitsis and horowitz (laughs) had said something about what if snow and charming have another baby because they get they missed emma's childhood Mm -hmm. what if they decide to start over and imagine the dynamic there between emma and this baby brother or sister that she has to Mm -hmm. work with in this new family relationship she's discovering and trying to accept that i think they were talking about that back in season two so i think they did have in mind for snow and charming to have a baby and then timed it when it worked out conveniently. Right. Or that... Yeah. So they're going to have to bring Ruby back so that there's someone to watch the baby while the Charmings fight battles and things. <laughs> well, they've got they've got Granny in her crossbow. Well, that's true. She's a pretty good babysitter. Yeah. Is Henry old enough to babysit yet? Mm, how old is Henry now? Uh, he's 13, I believe. In the show? Yeah, in the show. He's 13. He's almost oh, 15, 13. I think, in real life. That makes sense. Can't quite remember. But we'll look at the timeline. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to his his age a little bit, that reminds me of something going back uh, while this is happening. This is when Regina is also trying to plot her revenge and she takes Sydney down into the vault. And they're talking about the book, and we talked about this a little bit in the initial reactions. Happy ending this book gave her. The book gave that to her. It's powerful. It's more than just a book. What happens inside it appears immutable. Regina, you're a crazy one. But you know what that reminds me of? She said it's more than just a book. Mm -hmm. Go back. Season one. Mm. Pilot episode. This, it's more than just a book. Oh, little Henry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you see why. Talking about Henry's age reminded me of that. (laughs) Yeah, this is... So she's she's kind of going stark raving mad over this idea. And it is a completely unproven and untested hypothesis. That's kind of how she rolls. (laughs) She's convinced and there's no real good reason for it. Well, I think it... I'm excited about where this could go with the season because the way this goes is, as we saw later, that Regina is going to try to find the writer of the book. That I'm really excited about because we've been theorizing about the writer of the book ever since season one. Blue Fairy, mm-hmm. that was a big thing that I was thinking other people were saying August. because it's kind of the last unexplained mystery and theory. Yeah. Yeah. Really? But that 
that make, concerns me or makes me wonder if they're planning on this being the last season of Once Upon a Time because of that reason. That is the last. Well, it kind of is. There's stuff from the pilot, but I know we don't hold it to the pilot. But because <laughs> to me, revealing the writer of this book is like last five episodes yeah. of the show material. And also another thing that was mentioned in the first season, first episode, actually, is that Emma would be the bringer of happy endings. And in this episode, in that really nice um, on other side of the wall conversation she had with Regina, Emma was saying, I'm the bringer of happy endings and I'm not going to stop until I get yours, basically. Or here's what she actually said. (laughs) Henry brought me to Storybrooke to bring back the happy endings. My job's not done until I do that for everyone, including you. Another hint that maybe wrapping up some final loose ends. Yeah, maybe this is going to be the last season. Yeah, because the author of the book is like is like the moon in Oh, I lost the title. You know what I'm talking about. The, it's like the mother and how I met your mother. <laughs> Are you saying that Star Trek episode where the moon was the kick for people to wake up from their dreams? The Jim Carrey movie, the name of which I suddenly can't remember. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, he looks, it's not Apollo 13 either. While he tries to figure that out. A Jim Carrey movie about the moon? Come on, chat room. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. They have a big delay. They have a delay. They have a delay. Well, I think also uh, the only person, so let me say this in clear words. (laughs) Regina wants to change the book, and the only person we've ever seen change the book is August. August the is Truman the Show. Oh, okay. <laughs> August is a little boy running around, and I don't think he's going to be involved with the whole book thing, but we have seen him add to the book. That doesn't mean he was the writer. It just meant that he was aware of the book, and he knew that he needed to add his story into it. With the whole hint that Yen Sid is coming to the show, I think that he will be the writer of the book. And maybe that's why Rumpel is whatever emotion that is that Rumpel was kind of expressing concern, whatever it is. Maybe that's because among several things Rumpel knows, wait, this is the guy who wrote the book. This is the guy who has that kind of power to write words and they happen. There have been stories about stuff like that. But it's not, it's not a prophetic book it's it's what has happened is being reported on so that's why that's why it changed when emma changed the past the book being written that way didn't isn't what made it happen it happening made the book be written that way right yeah that's true they they established that like literally in the last episode we don't know how far ahead the book goes what if it does actually contain future events wouldn't they have noticed that by now They've read it. Maybe Henry hasn't read that far yet. (laughs) Also, August only added things that happened in our world to the book. Did he not? He didn't even add that. No, uh, he added some stuff that was in the past, as Henry pointed out. Okay. Uh, Back in that episode, uh, that was The Stranger. Or no, that was the episode The Stranger that we learned that Mm. either that or the return. I can't remember, but one of those two episodes in season one, 
in the stranger, he, when he's telling Emma that he needed to correct the book or whatever, it was to tell her what happened to her, like what he did that affected her being alone all those years. It was, you know, yeah, I came through with you and then I left the group home and you were a baby and I just abandoned you. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. But also to help her see the stories that she needed to believe because he was trying to get her to believe. Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to see August again. I I really think this is hinting at Yen I mean, he's nobody important now. He's just Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is not a good motivational speaker either. Gosh. Another part of this episode made me think of Pinocchio. Geico commercials are not canon, by the way. <laughs> And that was when Marshmallow should have been electrocuted <laughs> because he's made out of water. <laughs> and like I, I put in the notes, I'm not a huge science buff, but I'm pretty sure water is a really good conductor of electricity. I feel like we've had this conversation before. About Pinocchio. <laughs> right. About things that conduct electricity. <laughs> Maybe the writers need to, uh, to well, here again, that. It's magic. Yeah. Electricity doesn't affect magic and magic is better than electricity now if they'd had that taser except when the power flickers when babies are being born and stuff certain babies <laughs> if they'd had that taser maybe they could have taken down marshmallow a little bit faster well because it was a magical taser all they would have had to do from about 10 feet is reach their hand out because that's what marshmallow can do to them it, it does make me wonder are they stuffing all of their frozen references into this first episode, because we've seen Marshmallow, we've seen Sven, we've heard I about Hans and his 12 brothers. Because we did not see Olaf. Yeah, no Olaf. And we haven't heard anyone say, let it go, yet. Guys, I don't want to see Olaf. Well, they said the past is in the past, so. Yeah, we need I to mean, see just a snowman somewhere, and someone puts a carrot on right. his face. Yeah, I mean, it, they're still several characters involved that are from frozen i don't think we've seen the last of frozen references but and yet again elsa created life that then regina destroyed or maybe we should consider it more like a robot so it's she also like conjured an, items kind of like animal right. life yeah <laughs> she conjured items well she conjured the the necklace right? she did no yeah well she said something past. new for something borrowed oh was that the point there? But she made that necklace, did she not? Um, With her magic. Sure. It was a snowflake. So I'm going to guess that she made it because everything Elsa makes looks like ice or a snowflake. I'd get boring after a while. Except her dress. In I keep trying to make a pentagon, episode. but it keeps coming out as a hexagon. Help. Oh, gosh. A pentagram? No. Pentagon. A five-sided shape. And a snowflake is a six-sided shape. You know. I call that a no, no, there's a big building in Washington, D.C. called a Pentagon. <laughs> because it's shaped like a Pentagon. Oh, my goodness. Geometry, not U.S. government history. So let's move on. That's my point. You mean five points. <clears throat> but Regina did save Marion, which was unexpected. I thought she would let Marion die then because I thought, oh, wow, they're going to kill Marion that quickly and let the story move on in that way that quickly. But no, she did 
a more mature thing, a harder thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. It was almost kind of an act of true love that melted the giant. No, it was a big fireball that blew up the snow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was no true love there. But she said, welcome to Storybrooke. And I thought that meant possibly, hey, I'm going to let it go. But I guess not. And actually, after Sydney showed her the thing in the vault and the way she was, I thought she was going to change her mind, but she didn't. Yeah. Oh, Regina. Well, and yeah, the whole thing with seeing her past, she seems so remorseful and realizing like, oh, that's who I was. That's mm. disgusting. I don't ever want to be that again. See, I didn't get that from her. And let's rewrite history or rewrite the book so I can change it. And I'm going to still be a villain, but get my happy ending. Yeah, I didn't. I I thought she might be a little bit uh, embarrassed, but she didn't seem all that remorseful to me. She's just kind of like, hmm, yep. So she's someone I captured, but unfortunately we're going to have to be more specific than that because I don't even know. I don't remember that happening. She's confused. Well, she did kill a lot of people. She did. Right. And I think we're going to be riding this Regina and Rumple roller coaster, these roller coasters. For a little while, as we see these characters still struggling, I mean, it's like anyone who's trying to overcome something—a drug addict or and something like that—that that they will struggle for a while. It's not just like poof, I'm fixed. I'm don't struggle with yeah. this anymore. The past is in the past. I just let it go. And so if it's not that paint easy. This gray picture. They need to just do it and not keep having the the needle swinging wildly from I'm good, I'm evil, hero, villain. Stop. It's yeah, they're they're dealing with some stuff. That's okay. But quit labeling them multiple times a week. That's all I'm asking. We got uh, some feedback from Mural saying and again it's Regina saving the day while the rest are running around headless or knocked out by one tiny blow. Marion pleading with teary voice for help to Regina made me cringe even more. Why even have the character She's just some gimmick to trigger Regina's newest back and forth. I am getting a little bit tired of the back and forth. Yeah. Why why couldn't Marion stand up, by the way? She was knocked down from Marshmallow. Cool. Were her legs broken? No. But <laughs> she's like, help me, help me. Oh, you won't help me? Alright, I'm just gonna stay here and take it. Let me turn over and hide my face while you stomp on me. Get up! What's wrong with you? She's from the past. Run. Maybe try to drag your man out of the way. I don't know. Do something. (laughs) This sounds like Jeremy's exercise video. (laughs) Stand up. Run. (laughs) Jumpy jacks, woman. (laughs) I also don't like the whole, like, Emma's magic. Like, is Emma super powerful or not? Is Is she the savior? Or is she gonna, like, poof a little thing and then get knocked out? Again, poof a little thing. Like, is she powerful or is she not powerful? Is she the same powerfulness of as Regina? She doesn't really practice. Yeah, but like, she has had so much power in previous episodes, right. and then not so much, and then she's very inconsistent. I was like, "We're okay, Emma. What were you picturing? Because I'm thinking <laughs> protection spell all around that stupid thing. Maybe kind of a like dome, a bubble. you know, something yeah. to enclose it. Not not little." Little, I don't know what those were, light balls of light, or perhaps fire. <laughs> seeing as how it was ice, yeah, <laughs> it looked unfazed, and she's like, "Take that!" She actually said that. She said, "Take that, Frosty." <laughs> I like the spikes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, she should have said marshmallow. 
But, oh well. Yeah. Uh, there is a whole Michelin for- man. <laughs> there is a whole forum thread about uh, do villains deserve happy ending? It's a great debate going on in the forum. So check that out. We'll have a link to that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 157. Really encourage you to go over there to the forums, participate in the conversation and start your own conversations. Share some of the ideas that you have about things because this will be our conclusion to the discussion of this episode, but you can keep the conversation going by responding directly to stuff we say commenting on the show notes, oncepodcast.com slash 157, or start your own conversations and participate in others in the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Now, speaking of feedback, I don't want to end this without sharing some feedback on some ideas of the hat. This is from Sci-Fi Girl said, I was looking at the sorcerer's hat and noticing that they took the star design on the surface a step further. The hat appears to contain an entire nebula or galaxy or something inside it. That's what I was talking about that looks kind of like the whole spell that Yen said was doing inside of the Fantasia movie. Or maybe a mini-universe or another realm or something. Fascinating. But maybe there is a reason it is powerful. Maybe whoever possesses the hat can draw magical power from the universe contained within. Cool. But then I got to thinking about magical hats, and I thought of Jefferson, the Hatter. What if his powers have some connection to the sorcerer? Like maybe the sorcerer gave him his powers. When I suggested this to my family, someone answered, maybe the Hatter is the sorcerer's apprentice. I like that idea because I really want Sebastian Stan to come back on the show. That would be great. If they're going to end the show in this season... They need to bring back some of these iconic characters like Sebastian Stan and such. Uh, This came in from Alina saying, my theory is we will find out who originally owns the sorcerer's hat, but we will also find out it will now belong to Henry because he has the heart of the truest believer and he is the product of light and dark magic. It could also belong to Prince Neil. My other theory is the original Snow Queen will either turn out to be Elsa and Anna's aunt, grandmother, or Elsa's real mother. It's great to be back listening to the podcast and having discussion about the show and theories. Well, thank you, Alina. We really appreciate that. I do not think Henry is the product of light and dark magic. Just to state for the record again, his bay was not magical. He was touched by dark magic, though. But it did not affect him at all, so it shouldn't affect Henry Right? At all. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. <laughs> It's like you can't work out at the gym and get lots of muscles and then your kids be super strong and be born with six packs. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> That'd be so weird. <laughs> I'm super baby. <laughs> Gosh. Well, we would love to hear your feedback and theories on upcoming episodes of Once Upon a Time. So please email us feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also go to the website oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message right through the website to us. And we'd really appreciate that for future episodes. As a general guideline, if you send us an email, put the title of the episode in the subject line of the email. And this concludes our discussion for this episode 
of Once Upon a Time, but we're looking forward to the upcoming episodes, and you'll get to hear some spoilers in just a couple minutes from Hunter and Jacqueline about what's coming. In fact, there are some spoilers that we got uh, from ABC that are so spoilery (laughs) that... How spoilery are they? That ABC actually told us, no, (laughs) don't share that. Oh, gosh. So there are some really... Really, they did a take back? It's it's something that they gave us access to as members of the press. Oh. And our form moderator, Matthew, uh, pulled these sound bites from some of the actors and transcribed them. And Hunter and Jacqueline have those. They've read them but we can't share them. They can't share them yet. So there's some big things out there that just can't be shared yet because ABC wants to keep it under close wraps. And I don't know where it is. I When I saw the transcript, I just passed it on and didn't read it at all. <laughs> but you'll get to hear some awesome spoilers from Hunter and Jacqueline after the music in this podcast. Hey, thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast, sticking around for the summertime. It's great to be back on the podcast. And we're also very grateful for the iTunes reviews. Your honest reviews encourage us and they help other people find the podcast as well. So thank you to Major Neat Guy who left an honest review. And A. Barish said, There is nothing to think about for Once Upon a Time without Once Podcast. So thank you very much. (laughs) We'd love a review from you. If you haven't left a review yet or you'd like to go update your review, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Or if you use Stitcher, go to oncepodcast.com slash Stitcher and you can write a review for us there. Please follow us on Twitter at oncepodcast and you can connect with each of us as well. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Aaron and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without the help of several people helping us in so many great ways, volunteering their time. So big thanks to the whole team of people who make this podcast possible. Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline for providing spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob for help with screenshots, Keb managing our timeline, Aliescape and Aaron J for moderating the chat room. Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting the podcast, and you being part of this community. And until next time, remember, you have all the time in the world, unless another monster appears and kills you. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode with either a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, or a per-episode donation, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. We really couldn't do this without you, so thank you for supporting us. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. So we are coming up to episode 402, Whiteout. And we do have a synopsis for you guys. While desperately trying to find her sister, Anna, Elsa is startled by Emma and accidentally traps them both inside an ice cave, with the frozen temperature placing Emma's life in peril. 
Regina, depressed over her likely breakup with Robin Hood, secludes herself away from the town and Henry, which saddens her son. And with the townspeople considering Mary Margaret their leader, she faces her first leadership task in trying to restart a generator and restore the town's electricity after Elsa freezes and damages the power lines. Meanwhile, in the Enchanted Forest of the Past, Anna tries to teach Meek David to fight Bo Peep, a brutal warlord who is threatening to take his and his mother's farm away if they don't pay her price. So... It's going to be interesting. We have Robin Wiegert as Bo Peep, Gabriel Rose as Ruth, Sean Owen Roberts as Ruffian, and this one is written by Jane Epsonson and directed by Ron Underwood. Bo Peeps is a warlord. Yes. Who would have thought? I mean, of all the things that I would have predicted for once upon a time, little Bo Peep, who has lost her sheep, being a warlord is not one of them. No, not at all. Yeah, I don't even know what to do with that. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes. But we did get to see a promo yes. of this. It did it's the same promo that's been airing all week. I didn't find any new ones or special ones. Yeah, so the promo, it plays out exactly like the synopsis. You have Elsa who is gonna free Storybrook. She's gonna prevent everyone from leaving. Um she puts up like a giant wall of ice. You have Emma who's trapped inside the cave. And at one point she's laying on a, like a bed of ice and she looks very, very cold and near dead. And you have hook exclaiming that she's going to freeze to death. And then you get a very tiny bit of the enchanted forest of the past. And it looks like Anna is sword fighting with someone. And we think it's Prince Charming. Who is not yet Prince Charming. (laughs) No, he's still David, because we saw some of the the behind-the-scenes photos. And we did see a bunch with Elsa and Emma in the Mm -hmm. cave. They're all green screen, so we're not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure they're in the cave. Yeah. Like in the preview, it looks like Emma is really cold. They most likely will have a very touching moment. Yeah, I think so. I think this is going to be an episode where Elsa and Emma start to bond because we know that's coming, that they're going to form a friendship. So I think it starts here. It looks like Elsa, I guess, after this touching moment, gets Emma out of the cave. Yeah. And then we have another set photo. (laughs) Would you like to explain who that is? Okay, so this set photo is of the past in the Enchanted Forest, and it's Shepherd David. And if you remember what Shepherd David looked like from the episode The Shepherd in season one, he has changed his hair a bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, instead of it being kind of that ragged mop that he had going on in season one this is like fabio (laughs) romance cover novel hair i mean it is long and you almost (laughs) you want to turn on a wind fan to watch it blow it's hilarious it's not straight it's wavy yeah and he's got a lot of leather on he does more leather than he had in the past he looks like he belongs on the cover of a romance novel (laughs) i don't know why it's it's so weird if you have a chance, you definitely need to look at this photo. Yeah. So that way you don't get, like, super surprised on Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's all we have for next week's episode. But we did get a set photo of a first look of Tyler Jacob Moore, who will be playing Hans. Prince Hans of the Southern Isle. Yes. That's in episode 403. Yes. And... He has got some serious sideburns. Yes, he does. But didn't he have that in the movie, too? <laughs> he he does. He has them in the movie. So they're keeping 
everyone looking very, very similar once again. Yes, and you'll see him. He's holding an urn with Norwegian writing on it. I don't know what language exactly it is, but it's like the characters. It's not an actual alphabet. And he's got his winter jacket and gloves on. So I'm going to guess he's kind of cold. Yeah, probably. For casting news, we there's a casting call out for a strong, intelligent and beautiful middle sister of three. She's blue eyed, blonde and in her late 20s, early 30s, who always puts her sister first. And the three of them are off to a fancy ball. Yeah. And there's some idea that Sally Pressman has been cast as this sister. We know that she was cast and people speculated that she might be Elsa's mother. But since we met Elsa and Anna's parents in the premiere, it's obvious that she's not going to be playing that. So we think she might be this sister. And one of the big theories right now is that Elsa's mother... Elizabeth Mitchell's character, the Snow Queen, and then this Sally Pressman character are all sisters who are going to a ball together. And for those of you that don't know, Sally Pressman, I think, is most famous for her role in Army Wives. Yeah. She played Mrs. LeBlanc, and I cannot... Roxy. Roxy LeBlanc from Army Wives. We also have a little spoiler that there will be an episode dedicated to Emma and Regina's history and how far they've come since season one when they were enemies and didn't like each other at all. Do we know round about when that one's going to be? I don't know for sure, but if I had to guess, I would say episode five because they've Adam and Eddie have said that Emma's centric is around episode five. She's going to have an entire centric about her past. And we'll we'll probably see her as a teenager and everything like that. Yeah, an orphan growing up in the foster system. Um, we did find out in an interview with Adam and Eddie that Elsa is not a villain. Right. So we don't have a villain set for the first half of this season. Well, not yet. It's probably Elizabeth Mitchell. It's character. probably, but we yeah. it, in the other ones, you always saw that it was like you saw the Wicked Witch and we're like, oh, that's the villain type thing. Yeah, that, I think that's going to be the big twist is Elsa really isn't a villain. But Elizabeth yes. Mitchell doesn't appear until episode four. So we do have a ways to go before we get to her. We do get to see Hook and Emma's first date. Mm -hmm. And they they say it's going to be super romantic. And this is when we will first see Hook with his new clothes on. Yes. Which is still very, very black leather. (laughs) Just a little more More modern. modern. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of their first date, we are also going to be meeting... Will Scarlet, if you haven't watched Wonderland, he played the Knave of Hearts on Wonderland. He is going to be coming in at episode three, and he's going to be getting into some trouble. And hes I think he's going to be interrupting the date between Hook and Emma. And uh, from the what he says, its he's going to um, be dealing with Emma quite a bit, because he is still a thief. Yes, and she is the sheriff. Yes. <laughs> We did get a new episode title. We have episode 408 is Smash the Mirror, written by David H. Goodman and Jerome Schwartz. Which makes me very nervous for Sydney. I know, because we just got him back. Yeah. And he was inside, he was put inside the mirror in the premiere. So I kind of wonder what's going to happen with Sydney. That's all the news I have. 
what else have you got? I've got two things. The first one is we did get something else about Maleficent's return, which isn't going to be happening until the second half of season four. So when we come back after winter break, not a whole lot, but Adam and Eddie have said that Maleficent will not be pleased with Regina and that what is going on will be at least partially revealed in the winter finale which is episode 411, and that's how we end the first half of the season. And then finally, um, this is actually something that I had to sit on for a couple days. I wasn't even allowed to tell the people over at the forum. I wasn't allowed to know. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to know either one. We- I'm waiting just like you guys on what she has. All I know is I have something that I have to wait and tell. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I have a source who is in Canada where they film. Very, very reliable. Uh, really good at getting stuff and he has heard through the grapevine that rose mciver who plays tinkerbell um this past season in season three is in talks with abc to reprise her role in the second half of season four i liked tinkerbell yeah now i mean the deal could fall through you never know she is quite busy shooting her new show for the cw but it does shoot right next door to once upon a time so it sounds like we might be seeing more Tinkerbell. Yay. Yeah. Have we got anything else to share? That is all I have. Well, that's all we have for you guys this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, Wincers. Oh.